MSW Media. A big thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. Today, a judge denies the pillow man's motion to dismiss the Smartmatic lawsuit against him. That sentence would not make sense in any universe except this one. A judge has vacated the murder conviction of Adnan Syed. The House files its version of the Electoral Count Act reform bill. The Bexar County Sheriff in Texas has opened a criminal investigation into Ron DeSantis's operation to fly asylum seekers from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. The Department of Justice files a document review vendor in the Mar-a-Lago case, and Biden's approval rating climbs to 45 percent. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how's it going? I'm good, AG. We've got lots of news. How are you? Good. Tons of news and some late breaking news, too, with this Ron DeSantis stuff. I'll get to that in a second. But right now, President Biden's approval rating has hit 45 percent. Hell yeah. In an NBC News poll, giving the president a boost just ahead of the midterms this is the highest that it's been since October and comes from key parts of his base. He reached 52 percent approval rating among women. That's up from 47 percent in August. 48 approval rating among Latinos, which is up from 40. That's an eight point jump in August. And 48 percent approval rating among young voters, 18 to 36, which is up from 36 percent in August. Another eight point jump. No, that's a 12 point jump. Good job, math. My math has failed me. (laughs) But that's big. That's huge. And also right now, this is just breaking, just coming across my desk. The Bexar County Sheriff in Texas has opened a criminal investigation into Ron DeSantis and his operation to falsely lure asylum seekers from Venezuela onto a plane from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, We will keep you posted as this story unfolds. That is the only information I have on it now. It's just now breaking. So we'll keep you posted there. And Dana, get this. The MSW Media Network has now raised nearly $90,000 for Dems in the midterms. Fuck yeah. Super proud. That's so cool. We set up a fund with the How We Win podcast to send 100% of your donations to the candidates who your money will most benefit. You get the most bang for your buck. They did all the research and found out the winnable seats and who needs the money to win them. The link to donate will be in the show notes. I'm so excited about this. Love it. All right. Uh, We have a lot of news to get to. As I said, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So efforts to reform the 135-year-old election law, which is called the Electoral Count Act, which Donald Trump tried to utilize to subvert and steal the 2020 election, are reviving a classic Congress rivalry, the House versus the Senate. Oh, my. After signaling for months that they wanted to go further than the Senate's proposed adjustments to the law, the House could vote as early as Wednesday on legislation to update the Electoral Count Act. Liz Cheney and Zoe Lofgren, members of the January 6th Select Committee, outlined a proposal Monday aimed at preventing rogue state officials and members of Congress from subverting the transfer of power. That plan is likely to set up an intense period of wrangling with the Senate, which in July teed up a competing bill that boasts bipartisan support, including 
the 10 GOP co-sponsors necessary to overcome the filibuster. The House version is substantially similar to the Senate bill, but it proposes a couple of variations and lays out a certain process or a couple of processes, actually, in a little more detail. House members insisting on releasing their own bill marks the latest episode in the simmering tensions between the two chambers as they enter their final stretch of legislating in this Congress, with House Democrats hoping to go from bill text to quick passage within a week and the Senate moving a little more slowly expecting to hold a markup of their legislation while retaining GOP support next week. The new House bill would clarify that the VP has only ministerial duties during the counting of electoral votes, which the original law sort of also definitely said. Not sweeping power. He doesn't have sweeping power to approve or reject votes certified by the states, as Trump asserted VP Pence could do in 2021. Any challenges brought by lawmakers would need to have the support of at least a third of Congress to be considered. And those challenges would need to strictly relate to constitutional requirements about the eligibility of electors and candidates, not just your fee fees. Currently, the challenges only require the support of one member of each chamber to force the full Congress to vote on whether to object to a state's election results. The House bill also explicitly defines the catastrophic event or events that would permit a state to prolong its voting period, including terrorist attacks, natural disasters, power outages, or any of the other major events that would prevent a large number of people from voting. Plus, it more clearly defines the rules for the January 6th session of Congress when the House and Senate convene to count the votes. I don't know if this will do much besides bolster Trump's defense that the Electoral Count Act is so ambiguous that it needed updating from the Congress. How am I supposed to be expected to understand it if Congress has to? (laughs) Yeah. Even though everybody, including his own lawyers, told him that's not how shit works. That, and if the Supreme Court rules in the Moore v. Harper case that state legislatures can legally submit fraudulent electors, the count on 1-6 doesn't really matter. (laughs) So... If, you know, state legislatures could just overthrow the will of the people and certify the votes and send them to Congress, who gives a fuck if they can count them? You know, (laughs) that's where the subversion occurs. So definitely everyone vote. Please go vote. Like you don't need another reason, but go vote. And moving on to the next story, a judge on Monday denied who? My pillow. CEO Mike Lindell's request to dismiss a lawsuit brought by Smartmatic over false claims about its voting systems because... Mike was spewing a bunch of shit. Mm. Now, Smartmatic is the company that provided election technology and services to Los Angeles's county during the 2020 election. Alleges, that company alleges that Lindell and MyPillow publicly promoted, quote, the false narrative that the 2020 election was stolen, per the court order. And they did. A federal judge in Minnesota dismissed separate motions from both Lindell and MyPillow, concluding that Smartmatic has alleged sufficient facts for a plausible claim. Now, the claims include that Lindell's allegations were false and that he acted with malice to make the statements. He did. Mm. Lindell filed a countersuit in April 2021 after Smartmatic and Dominion Voting Systems, Inc., which is another voting technology company, sued him for defamation over his election fraud claims. Now, a federal judge sanctioned Lindell in May for what the judge called frivolous claims against Smartmatic. (laughs) I know, they were like, quit fucking doing this. 
Now, the complaint against Lindell is one of several cases filed by Smartmatic and Dominion over the 2020 election against those who have made false statements about the company's voting technology. And that's per Politico. And we know they've gone after Sidney Powell and uh, Rudy Giuliani and Mike Lindell. Like, there's a bunch of fuckers out there. Fox News and the Murdochs and the parent company of Fox News. Yeah, they're going after everybody. And and so far, every single lawsuit has been allowed to continue. And in fact, like you said, when Lindell filed a counterclaim against them, the judge said, get the fuck out, you're sanctioned. Um, So, you know, awesome. That's some good news. And Department of Justice, this is also late breaking news, has written a letter, filed it on the docket to the special master, Judge Deary, in the Mar-a-Lago case, outlining how the document review should go and how it should go forward. Now, this is pretty standard. Right. Like with the January 6th case, they got a third party to set up a portal to share evidence back and forth. And that's what the DOJ is recommending here. A third party vendor set up a secure portal for ease of access for all the parties that helps speed this along so they don't have to, you know, deliver shit in envelopes to each other or fax shit over Messenger or whatever pigeons. the government, government <laughs> normally does. Right. What's interesting here, though, is that the DOJ is only suggesting this for the documents not marked classified. Quote, master will not review the documents. Matt sounds like Dobby. Master. Master. Master, Master, which documents do I review, master? (laughs) Dobby is free. (laughs) Master will not review the documents with classification markings. If the 11th Circuit does not stay the review of the documents with classification markings, the government will then propose a way forward. So none of this that we're writing about and creating a portal for is about these 100 or so classified documents. With regard to the rest of the stuff... Quote, as reflected in the public record, the government's privilege review team already reviewed the seized materials to identify potentially privileged attorney-client communications, applying an extremely low threshold to screen for such potentially privileged communications. The privilege review team identified a small number of documents we will call the filter materials. Those filter materials remain in the custody of the privilege review team and are segregated from the investigative team. So they aren't even looking at that. The investigators. Quote, non-documentary items like Items of clothing, hamburger wrappers, you know, (laughs) whatever, will be made available to plaintiff's counsel and the special master for review at the FBI's Washington field office on reasonable notice during their regular business hours tomorrow. As previously stated in other filings, once the parties agree that certain items are personal records or the court has made such a determination, the government will return such items that were not commingled with classified documents by stipulation. The government will maintain a control copy of return materials. And the reason that they say that we'll we'll give back items that, you know, are, you know, your underwear or whatever that weren't commingled (laughs) with classified documents because stuff that's commingled with classified documents is evidence in in a criminal investigation because it proves that that person had those materials. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like fingerprints, your Mm -hmm. your underwear. So it's like what what, he, he had these in a drawer with his passports type of a thing. Even though they did give the passports back, they're like, here, whatever, dude, they're expired, weirdo. DOJ also wants very frequent updates. For at least the first few weeks, they say the government proposes that Master conduct weekly reviews with the parties by (laughs) video or audio conference or to resolve questions and ensure smooth operations. So you let us give us a weekly update, bro. Also attached to this letter, this is new. You will find a copy of the government's proposed judicial protective order, which is due to be filed with Judge Cannon tomorrow. That's today. If you're listening to the show today on Tuesday, the protective order, by the way, Dana, is what prevents any of the parties from releasing this shit to the public or the press. Right. 
And from the protective order, it says the court's order appointing special master requires the government to provide copies of materials seized during the August 8th execution of the court-authorized search warrant to the special master, to plaintiff's counsel, Trump's lawyers, and certain agents and employees. The seized materials are evidence in a criminal investigation case, most of whose details are not a matter of public record. In addition, the court's order requires the parties to prepare logs based on and derived from the seized materials that should similarly be protected from public disclosure to facilitate the special master's review process. To preserve confidentiality of non-public info and to protect the special master review process, the court enters this judicial protective order. The seized materials produced by the government are confidential and shall be disclosed to no one other than the special master, his law clerks, the plaintiff's counsel that admitted plaintiff's counsel on the record in this case, staff supporting plaintiff's counsel, clerical employees, stenos, secretarial assistants, who are working on this case under the direction of the plaintiff's counsel, and to whom it's necessary the seized materials be disclosed for the purposes of executing the court's orders, et cetera. So this is a list of all the people who can see this shit. And you need to provide us a list with all of their names before we even let you see it. This judicial protective order does not govern seized materials with classification markings. <laughs> the government contends that seized materials with classification markings should not be provided to the special master or plaintiff's counsel and has pending before the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit an application for a stay pending appeal. If the 11th Circuit stays this court order with respect to the documents with classification markings, this judicial protective order will govern seized materials without classification markings. So, yay. But if any classified materials will ultimately be provided to plaintiff's counsel, then we will propose a separate judicial protective order for the court to enter concerning documents with classification markings that are similar to a protective order pursuant to Section 3 of the Classified Information Procedures Act, CIPA, C-I-P-A. So again, we're not talking about the classified stuff. We're not even there yet. We're going to wait and see what the 11th Circuit says. It's a good idea to punt on the classified documents waiting for the 11th Circuit's ruling on their stay. Angie, thank you so much. And this story, this is a remarkable reversal. Adnan Syed walked out of prison on Monday for the first time since he was a teenager, having spent 23 years fighting his conviction on charges that he murdered his former high school girlfriend. That was a case that was chronicled in the first season of the hit podcast, Serial. And I'm sure some of you listen to every episode. Judge Melissa Finn of Baltimore City Circuit Court vacated the conviction, and this is a quote, in the interests of fairness and justice. She found that prosecutors had failed to turn over evidence that could have helped Mr. Syed at trial and discovered new evidence that could have affected the outcome of his case. Prosecutors have 30 days to decide if they will proceed with a new trial or drop the charges against Mr. Syed, who was ordered to serve home detention until then. Prosecutors said that an investigation had pointed to two possible alternative suspects, although those individuals have not been named publicly or charged. I sure hope they get the person who did it. Now, this is a quote. At this time, we will remove the shackles from Mr. Syed. This is Judge Finn declaring after announcing her decision. Moments later, Mr. Syed walked out onto the courthouse steps, smiling as a crowd of supporters shouted and cheered. He gave a small wave, climbed into a waiting car, and without saying anything to reporters who pressed around him. In a motion filed in Baltimore City Circuit Court on Wednesday, prosecutors said that a nearly year-long investigation conducted by Mr. Syed's lawyer had uncovered information pointing to the possible involvement of two alternative suspects, as well as key evidence that the prosecutors may have failed to disclose, as I said earlier, in violation of their legal duty. Now, the investigation also identified significant reliability issues regarding the most critical pieces of evidence used to convict Mr. Syed, including cell phone tower data, 
Significantly, the investigation identified those two alternative suspects who may have been involved together or separately and were, quote, known persons at the time of the investigation, and they were never ruled out. That's what prosecutors said. Both had motive and propensity to commit this crime. That's what the prosecutors wrote. Now, prosecutors did not disclose their names. Close watchers of the case have been speculating about who they are and whether they are mentioned in Serial or the four-part HBO documentary, The Case Against Adnan Syed. That debuted in 2019, and in 2020, the New York Times company, it bought Serial Productions, the company behind that specific podcast. Now, prosecutors said a document they found in their trial file indicated that one of the people had threatened Miss Lee. Miss Lee is his girlfriend in front of another person saying he would make her disappear and kill her. Prosecutors also found another document in their trial file in which a different person relayed information that, quote, can be viewed as motive for that same suspect to harm the victim. And we're not talking about Syed. This is a different suspect. The evidence could have helped Mr. Syed at trial, but it was not at the defense's files. It wasn't in there or in any of the pleadings that the prosecutors produced for the defense. Now, the apparent failure to turn over the files, that may have violated a landmark Supreme Court ruling in 1963 called Brady versus Maryland. And that case, what it did is it obligates prosecutors to provide their adversaries with any evidence that could be construed as favorable to the accused. And that's what this motion stated. Yeah. So if you ever hear anyone say Brady materials, that's, yep. that's what that's they're what talking the case about. Is. Stuff that could be exculpatory or you know, blow apart a beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, yeah, finding for the jury. So now let's do making a murderer because I know there's bullshit over there, too. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to give a shout out to somebody who's been on this since the beginning, Rabia Chaudhry. Yes. And uh, she was my very first guest on Mueller, she wrote, talking about the Adnan Syed case. So I have a special place in my heart for this and for her. And I know today is a wonderful and amazing day for all of the work the incredible work that she's put into this. So thank you. And she says, you know, uh, on Twitter, everybody just donate to Innocence Projects. They need your money and they need support. So excellent. Congratulations to Adnan, his family. I know that um, it, you'll never get those 23 years back, but here we are on this day. You get to you get to go home. All right, everybody stick around. We will be right back with the good news. After these messages, we'll be right Hey, everybody, it's AG. As you know, I've been taking AG1 by Athletic Greens for a while now because I wanted more energy. I wanted a supplement that tasted great. And I wanted something to get rid of the 25 bottles or so of vitamins and probiotics and superfoods and stuff that I was keeping in a, a cabinet just for that stuff, taking up space and costing me a bunch of money. But with one delicious scoop of AG1 by Athletic Greens, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day. It's a unique blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, uh, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Now, I take AG1 first thing in the morning. It helps with my mental clarity, keeps me nice and alert. It's a very easy habit to pick up. Plus, with every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry, right here in the United States. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Again, just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, plus those five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news or confessions or corrections or Halloween photos, because Halloween's going to be here soon, Dana. I'm so excited. You're so excited. Yeah. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, my favorite time of the year. Anything you want to send us, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, I'm going to start us off with a submission from Phil, pronouns he and him. Hello, Allison and Dana. I have a praise someone to share with a bit of a twist. I'm an adult who was recently diagnosed with low support autism. And let me tell you, this has explained a lot in my life and opened up a lot about my mental health. I actually feel like I'm finally able to take care of myself and set appropriate boundaries and just generally live a healthier life. I've had breakdowns due to overstimulation that I believe were panic attacks. And now I know I was treating them all wrong. And always by my side was my wonderful mother. I would call her crying just to talk. She would recite stories out of newspapers or magazines that she was reading. Or I would show up and crumple up at her feet and she would just say nice things to me until I calmed down. She has been a rock and done some amazing things. She put up with what has to be a mother's nightmare for me. But now that we know what's going on, it's actually overstimulation. One of the things that the psychiatrist recommended is noise-canceling headphones with a book or something like that. They were the piece we were missing. A few days ago, I had a breakdown. Mom pulls out my headphones and not missing a beat, grabs my phone. Here is the twist. She put on the Daily Beans. No joke. After it's all over, I asked her why she chose that. And she said, you always tell me stuff about what Allison and Dana say. And oh, you laugh so much. God. That I thought it would work the best. So ladies, pat yourselves on the back. You help this old autistic dude not make a fool of himself in public. Phil, I want to hug you. I've been pointed at, bullied, and laughed at so much. This was a breath of fresh air. I couldn't be more grateful. You really are wonderful. I owe a lot to you. And now I can add a little of my sanity to that list. As pet tax, I've included my long-haired wiener dog, Razzie, and my papillon, Tucker, in two pictures. The first is in the back of my car while we were watching the last solar eclipse. And the second is our happy place on our back deck. Oh, my God. My heart is swelling up with all kinds of love. I just, one, I'm just so happy that you have this diagnosis and you can sort of make sense of the world around you. I have autistic uh, people in my life and in my heart and you just see the world differently and the overstimulation, I can see how it affects the young man I'm close with. And I'm just so happy that you have an answer and your mom, what a beautiful thing. And I'm just, AG, I'm I'm just, the fact that our voices can calm anybody (laughs) brings me a lot of joy and a little tears. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Phil. These pups and these animals are beautiful. Wow. Okay. We are moving to colon cancer, Chris. No pronouns on Chris. Colon cancer, Chris. Here again, I submitted some news back in January or so about my diagnosis and just wanted to update the Leguminati with news that I finished chemo and radiation and I'm going in for surgery soon. My doctors are optimistic that this should be my last procedure and I can get on with my life after recovery. Thankfully, my parents are going to let me borrow one of their cats so I can have an emotional support animal with me at home. They have six, six cats that each have their own favorite human. And I miss the one that had chosen me as hers a while I lived with them. I miss her. 
if things go well with Kitty Ella, known affectionately as Evil Queen, <laughs> may have a new permanent home with me and my partner. I'll update with cat photos once I'm home from the hospital and Ella has settled in. Colon Cancer Chris, we are sending you all the love for a very easy and successful surgery and healing time. Yes, yes, 100%. And I look forward to these kitty pictures. Evil Queen. <laughs> That's so great. Thank you for that submission. Um, and again, we're sending out the vibes. Next up from Jen in Georgia, pronoun she and her. Hi, lovelies. I'm one of those crafty moms and always overachieved with birthday cakes and Halloween costumes. They're all teens now. This one was my favorite. When my youngest was in kindergarten, he requested to be a spider with a shark head. (laughs) (laughs) So I did what crafty moms do. Thanks so much for all you do. Your pods and Twitter feed are so informative and your tone is chef's kiss. That Uh, is awesome. (laughs) Oh my God, that kid is so damn happy. Oh my God, this is so great. This reminds me of um, my mom and dad went as a black widow spider and an exterminator. That's funny. So my mom just wore this black leotard and like put pant like black tights, black pantyhose on hangers and stuck them off her body like spider's legs. And this kind of I had this has that uh, this has that feel. Love it. With the strings attached to the other arms so that they move together. That's so great. And um, let me grab this next one because it's real short. You got From it. Heidi, pronoun she and her. I just want to say thank you. And I'm grateful for you, ladies. Here's a short haired void blep from Raven. The end. Well, she's beautiful. She is a little tongue, a little tongue sticking out. All right. This is from Julie pronouns. She and her beans queens. Thank you so much for the interview this morning with Grace Lynch. As a former teacher, I've been watching with horror, the unraveling of the public school systems. It was especially serendipitous that you interviewed her because yesterday I finally found a common sense candidate for school board in the district where I live and vote. I was so excited to read his press statement that I, on the spot, volunteered to help with his campaign, something I've never done before. Time to get off my ass to save democracy. Hell yeah, Julie. Yeah, also related to Grace Lynch's podcast, which I'm excited to listen to. Have you ever heard of the new apostolic apostolic reformation? Reformation. Mm-hmm. New apostolic mm-hmm. reformation, NAR, and or the Seven Mountain Mandate. It's some next level crazy stuff, but education is one of their seven mountains to be conquered. Holy shit. When I first heard of it, I thought it was total fringe and not worthy of my time, but I found out that it's way more mainstream than I had hoped. Yikes. For pet tax, I'm including a pic of Junior, a four-year-old kitty. We don't know who he is the junior of or why my F-I-L, my father-in-law, named him Junior, but Junior he is and Junior he remains. Oh. Oh, Junior's little head. Boop. I know. I know. And yes, Julie, I've had heard, I have heard of the new uh, Apostolic Reformation group. Our friend and friend of the podcast who's been on this show, who was live with us in Seattle, Jenny Cohn, C-H-O-N on Twitter, does a lot of threads and has a lot of information on, on these this group. And you're right. They're fucking bananas. Next up from Mary, pronoun she and her, ladies of the beans, I was so excited to order my crimes and crimes and crimes shirt, was overjoyed to receive a small, quickly followed by the medium that I ordered. Yay, we did something right. (laughs) I don't have a pet to dress up, so I made a pillow out of the small t-shirt. I love you and love your show. Thanks for all you do to enlighten the world. Look at this pillow. (laughs) Oh my God, that's fantastic. Oh my God, great. Look at the Daily Beans. Yeah, because we put the Daily Beans logo on the back of the shirt, so look at that. That's so smart. Oh, that's a nice little pillow. It's a little pillowcase too, so you can wash the pillow inside. How it's very brilliant. cool. 
Thank you. That's so great. Thank you so much. Oh, and there she's wearing her medium. Yay. I am really excited when you get wearing these out in the world, what sort of questions you get about what the fuck your shirt means. Oh my God, right? It's so funny. Just a little bit of news that came across my desk again. I'm going to cover this tomorrow. But you remember how Donald Trump, Dana, Judge Deary, the special master, asked Donald Trump to like tell him why. Uh, like if he had any of these, if he had declassified any of the documents, you yeah. remember he was like, uh, let me see if I can find the verbiage. He asked Trump's team for declarations about any actions he's taken to declassify material. Well, they've sent him back a letter. Your honor invited the parties to blah, 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 blah. the district courts ordered blah, blah, blah. They basically, uh, in the meantime, they said, they said, The district court's order indicates a presumptive end date of November 30th. Circulated today, compresses the entirety of the inspection. Just basically a bunch of bullshit. But they say we respectfully suggest that all of the deadlines can be extended to allow for a more realistic and complete assessment of the areas of disagreement. Along those lines, and to assure this court that parties are operating with the appropriate urgency, we would suggest a status conference in about two weeks to gauge how long the inspection process and rolling categorizations are taking. In the meantime, we provide this list. Finally, although we recognize the time for full objections on the draft plan is not today, we're concerned it contemplates resolving issues that were not raised by Judge Cannon in her order. They're basically not going to tell Judge Deary if they've tried to declassify anything. Well, uh, why would they? Because they just said they were newspaper clippings. So how can they declassify newspaper clippings? Yeah, that's exactly right. They say the draft plan requires that uh, we disclose information regarding the declassification to the court and the government. We respectfully submit that the time and place for affidavits and declarations would be in connection with a Rule 41 motion that specifically alleges declassification as a component of its argument for the return of property. Otherwise, the special master process will have forced the plaintiff to fully and specifically disclose the defense to the merits of any subsequent indictment without such a requirement being evident. And so they're basically like, well, we might use that as a defense later on right so we aren't going to tell you if we declassified anything they still refuse to say whether they declassified anything because they would be lying to a court unbelievable but also believable yeah totally totally believable all right thank you so much for sending in your good news i will cover that letter about judge deary a little bit in more detail tomorrow we're gonna get a couple of things tomorrow i'm gonna be calling in to the actual hearing. The Judge Deary has uh, put out a, a phone number for folks to call in and listen to that hearing. So I'm definitely going to be in on that. And then, of course, we have the the, the deadline. What was the, I think it was at uh, noon, the the 11th Circuit said, uh, Trump, you have to tell us what your objections are to to the stay, the, the appeal that, that the DOJ filed with 11th Circuit's due tomorrow. So we're going to have a lot of news on this tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Dana, do you have any final thoughts? No final thoughts today. All right, cool. Well, everybody send your good news in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been H-E. And I've been D-G. <laughs> and that was The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.